Okay, Mr. Kapow. Well, hello, Brother Kapow. How are you? Man, I'm blessed. We are blessed, aren't we? Mm-hmm. What's today's date? You know? uh, mm, today's date is August 26th, oh, 2019. Yeah. You're right. What happened? Of course to I'm right. Hello. What happened to August? It flew by. It flew by. Let's continue with Ezra 4th. Ezra. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of been taking some breaks off and doing other things and coming back, but we have to because we just... It's life. Yeah, it's life and stuff we have to do. So we hope we don't uh, break the flow mm-hmm. of this wonderful book and the wonderful teachings because it's all about the end times. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. And so we're getting into some really good parts. Uh, there'll be some parts that are going to be uh, challenging to explain <laughs> later on and stuff, but it's really good stuff. And I kind of want to reiterate what happened last time we were here. Let's see, two about two weeks ago, Ezra was talking, and once again, he's talking about Israel. As as you know, Israel is in captivity, Babylonian captivity at this time. And he's like, hey, if we if we, we were God's chosen and stuff, you know, what happens to the law after we get under captivity? You know, he's asking all these questions. And uh, this the angel Uriel, who's a message messenger of God speaking in behalf of God is telling him uh, what's what's up you know mm-hmm. and he says that uh, that even though the whole earth was corrupted like in Noah's day and stuff like that he he saved God saved for himself one grape out of a cluster one plant, one plant. out of the great forest yes. remember that mm-hmm and uh, so he says, you know, let the whole multitude, let the rest of them perish because they've been bo- born in emptiness. You know, they rejected God's law. You know, I'm sorry. It's just this whole book is not about humanism. No, it's not. No, it's, it's not, not inclusion. It's not inclusion. It's it's very black and white. You're either under God's law or you're not. You're either going uh, to New Jerusalem, to going to heaven, eternal life, because you're under God's law or you're not. That's right. It's, it's really black and white. Uh, and no wonder it's not preached. Huh. 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 Go figure. Huh. Uh, yeah, there's no sloppy agape here or easy grace at all. And then, you know, poor Ezra, he's basically, he's not a humanist, but he's like, well, what about all these other people? He's sure. don't understand. So this um, answers a lot of questions we might have on stuff like that. So Uriel, or God, is telling Ezra, this is like the last time we did a show, I'm just recapping, he says, you know, even with great difficulty, he saved one grape out of a cluster, one plant out of the grape forest. Mm. He says, let the multitude perish, but let my grape and my plant be saved because much labor I have perfected them. You know, and that was Israel. That is the line of, you know, to Messiah mm-hmm. and from Messiah on forward, which is us, anybody who believes. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That, that whosoever, whosoever shall, per- um, shall believe, believe in him, him shall not perish, perish, but have eternal life. Exactly. So that's us, and it's out of that plant that he saved. Amen. So we left off where Uriel told Ezra, but if you'll let seven days pass, go into this field. Mm. And this is important because he tells them right now uh, where no house has been built. Okay, so he, he's going somewhere where there's no buildings and he says, and only eat the flowers of the field and don't eat meat, don't drink wine, only eat flowers. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine how delicious that was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what kind of flowers grow over there, but uh, 
Yes, he's, he's doing. And then it says, pray continually to the Most High. And then he says, and I will come and talk with you. So if you, you do that for seven days, eat flowers. Um, basically, it's like a it's like a abstinence fast from mm-hmm. anything comforting. And stay in this field for seven days. I'm going to come and talk to you. So we left off at, at verse 26. Ezra says, so I went as he directed me into the field which is called Ardat. And there I sat among the flowers and I ate of the plants of the field and the nourishment they afforded satisfied me. So Ezra at least was getting nourished and satisfied. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing. When God gives you something, mm-hmm. it's satisfying. That's true. Only God can satisfy the soul. That's true. He could have had devil ice cream and not been satisfied, but mm-hmm. he had God flowers and was satisfied. That's a good point. Amen. And then after seven days... Ezra's laying on the grass. His heart was troubled again as it was before. Mm. And his mouth was open and he began to speak before the Most High. And he says, Oh Lord, thou didst show thyself among us to our fathers in the wilderness when they came out of Egypt and when they came unto the untrodden and unfruitful wilderness. And you said, Hear me, O Israel. That's the Shema, O Israel. That's right. Hear, O Israel, and give heed to my words, O descendants of Jacob. Mm-hmm. For behold, I sow my law in you, and it shall bring forth fruit in you, and you shall be glorified through it forever. Hallelujah. Which is good news, right? Mm-hmm. Now, what you have to understand, that, <laughs> that religion is not what they were experiencing at the time. They were under captivity, under the Babylonian captivity. So that's why Ezra's crying out to all the stuff, because you said, hear me, O Israel, hear my words. You shall bring forth God's fruit in you at all times. I'll be glorified through Israel forever. But here they are under Babylonian captivity. Mm. See how it doesn't fit with their concept of the way it should be? Right, right, right. How many out there, raise your hands, how many out there go through something or are going through something right now and you're going, this doesn't quite line up with what I think Christianity should be. Yes, I can I can relate. To right, that. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So what you have to do is not question God Mm-mm. or what you're going through. You have to question what what is your belief system? That's right. And why is it flawed? Isn't that right? Because we have to, <laughs> really, we have to walk by faith, yeah. not by sight not by feelings it's yeah. really by what god's word says it's what god's word said if it's if it's contained in god's word that's the only truth that you can rely on you can't rely on what you were taught in a church or what a pastor said or what you think it should be yeah uh, yeah it's a, you can't it's, rely on past experience either no exactly how it used to feel Mm-mm. so he's uh, that's what he's lamenting here wow and so in verse 32 in chapter 9, he says, But though our fathers received the law, they did not keep it and did not observe it. Yet the fruit of the law did not perish, for it could not because it was yours. He says, Yet those who received it perished because they did not keep what had been sown in them. Hmm. And so he says, Behold, it's the rule that when the ground has received seed or the ship, the sea a ship or any dish of food or drink, when it happens... That what was sown or what was launched or what was put in it is destroyed, they are destroyed, but the thing that held them remain. 
So his question, Ezra's question is yet with us, with Israel, who the, who the law was put into, right? Mm-hmm. It's not been so. See, so his reality is not matching what he believes should be. Right. He's looking around, he's going, it doesn't, you know, you destroy a ship in a sea, but the sea's not destroyed. Mm-hmm. Right? He's got a good point. You put the law in Israel and, you know, you destroy Israel, you know, what happens to your law? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Uh, why are you destroying us? He says, for we who have received the law and sinned will perish as well as our heart, which received it. So in other words, your law will perish because it's in us. That's how Ezra views it at this time. Now, remember, this is before Christ. Right. This is before the, the revelation of Jesus Christ that we have now. And so he just sees it the way it is. If we are the receptacle of God's law, and then you you allow us to be destroyed under Babylon, uh, Babylonian captivity, then your law itself will disappear. Right? Kind of right. makes sense. Mm-hmm. So he ends by saying in verse 37, the law, however, does not perish, but remains in its glory. So what gives? Mm-hmm. So we're going to start with verse 38, and really that's today's lesson right now, verse 38 on. Um, and here's what we're going to do. Ezra is going to have a vision of a woman, and a spoiler alert, that woman is Zion. Right. Future Zion, spoiler alert. But he's going to have a vision from God. He doesn't know what's going on. And I am going to read the Ezra parts. I'm going to read Ezra, and Miss Kapow is going to read the parts of the woman. E. That that way we have, it's like a little play here. You guys are in for a little drama because you've never heard our acting skills, but they're fabulous. They are. And so she's going to play the, the woman. Now, later on, the woman disappears, and the angel Uriel comes back to talk to Ezra. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't play both parts because I'm not that good. So Miss Kapow's going to once again step back on stage and play the part of the a- the uh, angel. That's right. So she's no longer going to be the woman but the angel. But we'll let you know before that transition takes place just in case you fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> All right? All right. And that's how we're going to do it. So we're not going to do a whole lot of scriptural reference today. We're no. just going to do this little play. But what you're going to find out as you're going to find out a little bit about Zion, you may not have known. Mm. And it's really cool because this is all part of our future. Yes. It's Ezra's Praise future and it's mm. our future. Mm. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. Thank uh, you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So Ezra says, I'm going to start in verse 38. Here's Ezra. And he says, let me check my files here. Files look good. Okay. He says, when I said these things in my heart, I lifted up my eyes. And I saw a woman on my right. Hmm. And behold, she was more. Hey. I'm sorry. The woman's not supposed to be laughing as I'm on on the play. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm putting my heart. You know what? I'm putting my heart and soul into this. I could win an Academy Award. And here you're. I'm snickering. Folks, do you hear Miss Kapow snickering? (laughs) Sorry. You know what? I'm going back to my trailer. (laughs) I'm telling the director I refuse to refuse to work with this woman. Okay, I'll try it again. When I said, oh, I'm getting even more dramatic. Uh When I said these things in my heart, 
I lifted up my eyes and I saw a woman on my right. And behold, she was mourning. <laughs> she was weeping with a loud voice. And I was deeply grieved at heart and her clothes were rent and there were ashes on her head. She was deeply grieved though. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm not, okay, you're right. Okay. I'm just saying. Cut. <laughs> Cut. Okay, here's the deal. Ezra, Ezra goes to the field of flowers, and he's, uh, you know, he's disturbed now, and he's, uh, he's, he sees, when he says these things in his heart, he looks up with his eyes, and he sees a woman. I see a woman on my right. And behold, this woman was mourning and weeping with a loud voice. And was deeply grieved at heart. Mm -hmm. She was deeply grieved at heart. And her clothes were rent. It doesn't mean she rented her clothes. They were torn. And there were ashes on her head. Mm -hmm. This is what Ezra sees. Then Ezra says, Then I dismissed the thoughts with which I had been engaged. And I turned to her and I said to her, Why are you weeping and why are you grieved at heart? And she said to me, Let me alone, my lord. That I may weep for myself and continue to mourn, for I am greatly embittered in spirit and deeply afflicted. And I said to her, what has happened to you? Tell me. And she answered and said to me, your servant was barren and had no child. Though I have lived with my husband 30 years, and every hour and every day during those 30 years, I besought the Most High night and day. And after 30 years, God heard your handmaid and looked upon my low estate and considered my distress and gave me a son. And I rejoiced greatly over him, I and my husband and all my neighbors, and we gave great glory to the Mighty One. And I brought him up with much care. So when he grew up and I came to take a wife for him, I set a day for the marriage feast. But it happened that when my son entered his wedding chamber, he fell down and died. Then we all put out the lamps, and all of my neighbors attempted to console me, and I remained quiet until evening of the second day. And when they all had stopped consoling me, that I might be quiet, I got up in the night and fled, and came to this field, as you see. And now I intend not to return to the city, but to stay here, and I will neither eat nor drink, but without ceasing, mourn and fast until I die." Then I broke off the reflections with which I was still engaged. And I answered her in anger. And I said, you most foolish woman, do you not see our mourning and what has happened to us? For Zion, the mother of us all, is in deep grief and great affliction. Mm -hmm. It is most appropriate to mourn now because we are all mourning, and to be sorrowful because we are all sorrowing. You are sorrowing for one son, but we, the whole world, and our mother. Now ask the earth, and she will tell you, that it is she who ought to mourn over so many who have come into being upon her. And from the beginning, all have been born of her, and others will come, and behold, almost all all go to perdition. And a multitude of them are destined for destruction. Mm. Who then ought to mourn the more? She, 
who lost so great a multitude or you who are grieving for one? But if you say to me, my lamentation is not like the earth's, for I have lost the fruit of my womb, which I brought forth in pain and bore in sorrow. But it is with the earth according to the way of the earth. The multitude that is now in it goes as it came. Then I say to you, as you brought forth in sorrow, so the earth also has brought from the beginning given her fruit. That is man to whom who made her, to him who made her. Now, therefore, woman, mm. are you listening, woman? <laughs> yes. Now, therefore, woman, keep your sorrow to yourself. And bear bravely the troubles that have come upon you. For if you acknowledge the decree of God to be just, you will receive your son back in due time and will be praised among women. Therefore, go into the city to your husband. And she said to me, I will not do so. I will not go into the city, but I will die here. So I spoke again to her and I said, do not say that, but let yourself be persuaded because of the troubles of Zion and be consoled because of the sorrow of Jerusalem. For you see that our sanctuary has been laid waste, our altar thrown down, our temple destroyed, our harp has been laid low, our song has been silenced and our rejoicing has been ended. The light of our lampstand has been put out. The ark of our covenant has been plundered. Our holy things have been polluted. And the name by which we are called has been profaned. Our free men have suffered abuse. Our priests have been burned to death. Our Levites have gone into captivity. And our virgins have been defiled. And our wives, oh, our wives, they've been ravished. Our righteous men have been carried off. Our little ones, our little ones have been cast out and our young men have been enslaved and our strong men made powerless. <laughs> and what is more than all, the seal of Zion, for she has now lost the seal of her glory. It has been given over to the hands of those that hate us. Mm. Therefore, woman, shake off your great sadness and lay aside your many sorrows so that the mighty one may be merciful to you again, and the Most High may give you a rest and relief from your troubles. And while I was talking to her, behold, her face suddenly shone exceedingly, and her countenance flashed like lightning, so that I was too frightened to approach her, and my heart was terrified while I was wondering what this meant. Behold, she suddenly uttered a loud and fearful cry, so that the earth shook at the sound, and I looked, and behold, the woman was no longer visible to me, but there was an established city, and a place of huge foundations showed itself. Oh, then I was afraid, and I cried with a loud voice, and I said, Where is the angel, Uriel, who came to me at first? For it was he who brought me into this overpowering bewilderment. My end has become corruption, and my prayer a reproach. As I was speaking these words, behold, the angel who had come to me at first came to me and he looked upon me 
And behold, I lay there like a corpse, and I was deprived of my understanding. And then he grasped my right hand, and he strengthened me, and he set me on my feet, and he said to me, What is the matter with you, and why are you troubled? And why are you your understanding and thoughts of your mind troubled? I said, because you have forsaken me. Man, I did as you directed, dude. And I went out to the field of meat flowers, and behold, I saw and I still see what I'm unable to explain. He said to me, Stand up like a man, and I will instruct you. And I said, Speak, my lord, only do not forsake me, lest I die before my time. For I have seen what I did not know, and I have heard what I do not understand. Or is my mind deceived, and my soul dreaming? Now therefore I entreat you to give your servant an explanation of this bewildering vision. Listen to me, and I will inform you, and tell you about the things which you fear. For the Most High has revealed many secrets to you. Yes. For he has seen your righteous conduct, that you have sorrowed continually for your people, and mourned greatly over Zion. This, therefore, is the meaning of the vision. The woman who appeared to you a little while ago, whom you saw mourning and began to console, but you do not see the form of a woman, but an established city has appeared to you. And as for her telling you about the misfortune of her son, this is the interpretation. This woman whom you saw, whom you now behold as an established city, is Zion. And as her telling you that she was barren for 30 years, it is because there were 3,000 years in the world before any offering was offered in it. And after 3,000 years, Solomon built the city and offered offerings. Then it was that the barren woman bore a son. And as for her telling you that she brought him up with much care, that was the period of residence in Jerusalem. And as for her saying to you, when my son entered this wedding chamber, he died, and that misfortune had overtaken her. That was the destruction which befell Jerusalem. And behold, you saw her likeness, how she mourned for her son, and you began to console her for what had happened. For now the Most High, seeing that you are sincerely grieved and profoundly distressed for her, has shown you the brilliance of her glory and the loveliness of her beauty. Therefore, I told you to remain in the field where no house has been built, for I knew that the Most High would reveal these things to you. Therefore, I told you to go into the field where there was no foundation of any building, for no work of man's building could endure in a place where the city of the Most High was to be revealed. Therefore, do not be afraid and do not let your heart be terrified, but go in and see the splendor and vastness of the building as far as it is possible for your eyes to see it. And afterward, you will hear as much as your ears can hear, for you are more blessed than many and you have been called before the Most High as but few have been. But tomorrow night you shall remain here and the Most High will show you in those dream visions what the Most High will do to those who dwell on the earth in the last days. And so I slept that night, and the following one as had he had commanded me. The end. Ooh. Dun, 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 dun. I think you did a great job. I thought I'd been a good Ezra. I think you did. I thought I fit the role pretty well, especially in the crying part. Uh-huh. Why? Speak to me. Very Don't convincing. Be Very mean convincing. to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you did, a, you, did a good, uh, you did a good woman, a real good angel, too. Thanks. 
Especially when you said, shut up and rise up and be a man. It was pretty good. It was. I felt pretty good to do that. Yeah, yeah. The director liked it. There was no cuts or anything. Um, So we ended, and uh, that's the end of chapter 10, and then chapter 11 would start. So here's the deal, just to reiterate. um, Ezra is in the, uh, was told to go to the field and eat flowers, kind of do a little fast there and pray for seven days and live a fasted lifestyle. But he was told to go where there's no building because if there was a human building there, it wouldn't be able to contain what God was about to show. Right. So he goes there and he sees this woman, this guy's a woman, and she's, it's a, it's a, like a parable. And the thing is that her son died. She right. had 30 years she waited for a son, but that's equivalent to 3,000. I thought that was interesting. Right. 3,000 years from the establishment of the world Till when there was a, a real sacrifice made, and that was in the, the first temple. Solomon, man, that's huge. So for her, she was saying 30 years, and she had a son. So happy, God finally gave her a son. And on his wedding night, the night that he was going to be married and, 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 and consummate his marriage and start a family, he dies. Mm. I think he fell and died or something like that. Mm-hmm. So she's mourning and grieving. She don't want to go back to her husband. She doesn't want to start all over. She's just messed up. Right. So Ezra, you know, I mean, um, not being, you know, like, oh, you know, he's like, why are you mourning? You only lost one son, but the whole earth is losing, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. He's Now, remember, he's a priest, so he's, um, you know, he's yeah. crazy. And so he's his zeal is for, um, you know, Jerusalem. You know, right. you're crying for one son, but we've lost a multitude. all of us. You've yeah. lost Israel, and now we're in captivity under the Bab- Babylonians. And then the speech where he gives, which I did very well, by the way. You did. Where he says, um, you know, about the destruction that fell Jerusalem and about the what they did to the, the priests and, the, you know. Oh, yeah, it's horrible. You know, all that stuff and the, and the little ones and, mm. um, you know, horrible stuff. So he... Uh, you know, he sees he sees all he sees all this stuff, and and uh, he's he's trying to tell her like, you know, you're just you're worried about your son, but yeah. we got carried we got carried off. You know, I mean, when he says our wives have been ravished, mm-hmm. you know, our wives have been raped, our our men are carried off. I mean, think of Daniel was carried off, right. Ezekiel, mm-hmm. you know, all these guys, and uh, the whole land. And so he had just you know got done having a conversation with the angel about the law, you know, and how how, you know, they were chosen to preserve that law. And here they are in captivity. So as he's, as he's doing all this to this woman, it's, it's like a parable. He sees this woman and he's, and he's, he has this great zeal for, you know, Jerusalem or for Zion, right? Now, what I want you to notice is that when she changes and, you know, like lightning and he no longer can see her and she changes into this real city, Wow. A vision of this huge, it says what foundations were huge. It mm-hmm. says, and a place of huge foundation showed itself. And of course, he's afraid. Can you imagine being laying there eating flowers and you're praying to God and all of a sudden you're, you're talking to a woman. You think you're talking to a person. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing out here? And she gives you this story and he commands her, go back to your husband. You know, God, you know, show that you're a woman of God and God will reward you. Uh, and, she, and, and then she changes into this huge city. So he doesn't know what's going on. So he kind of thinks he's being deceived. He don't know if it's if it's the devil giving him this or whatever. You know, sure. he's freaked yeah. out. And so with a loud voice, he's calling for this angel, you know, and he, and he says, my end has become corruption and my prayer reproach. So he thinks he's, you know, being beguiled. 
he doesn't understand it. And so when the angel comes to him, he says, well, you, you see this city mm-hmm. is God showing you the real Zion. Right, right. Now, what I want you to notice for those, and I know most people listening don't believe this, but God is not showing Ezra a third temple, or he's not even showing a second temple. He's not mm-hmm. showing Herod's temple, right? That was built with hands. It took 40 years to build Herod's temple. That's right. After the destruction of the Solomon temple, 40 years to build Herod's temple. And it was beautiful, obviously. Mm-hmm. Very, very um, huge stones, ornate, where the disciples had walked out of it and said, Hey, Jesus, <clears throat> did you see those beautiful stones of the mm. temple, how they're laid out? You know, isn't that cool? You know, I mean, look how beautiful this temple is that Herod put together for us. And so Jesus going, yeah, that was really cool. I love the marble overlay mm-hmm. and how they did the gold and then it blends in with the waterfall. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Jesus doesn't say that. He's very negative And he says, yeah, I saw it. And I'll tell you another thing. Not one of these stones are going to be left upon another. They're all mm-hmm. going to come down. That's right. And in three days, I'm going to destroy this temple. What? So, you know, crazy talk, right? But um, Christ was talking about the literal destruction of Herod's, temp- Herod's temple. Mm-hmm. Not Herod's temple. No. <laughs> but that's that's called the uh, Rick James Bible. Mm-hmm. Now, Herod, he'd be building him a temple. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 40 years, he's talking about the literal destruction of Herod's temple, which occurred uh, just about 40 years after he made that statement, literally. But it reminds me of this, the New Jerusalem, the Zion reminds me of the book of Revelation where John sees, John the Revelator sees yes. Zion coming from heaven, the bride of Christ. Now I know it's like, we're the bride of Christ. You know, Paul taught, we're the bride of Christ. But the bride of Christ is the New Jerusalem. It's right. that's his Zion. That's Zion. The real Zion's not made with hands. No. It's not there in Mount Sinai. It's not there in the Jerusalem Peninsula. It comes from heaven. And so John the Revelator, he's he's having a vision, and he sees the same thing. He sees the New Jerusalem coming down, and he describes the the 12 pillars, the 12 steps, and the gates, and the streets mm. of gold, and the, the beautiful burl stones, and all that stuff. It's a four-square city, four by four. And he describes it. So this is what Ezra sees way back when. And so he's shown... The city not built with hands. This is the promise of Abraham. And Paul talks about the same thing. You know, we're, we, have, we belong to a Zion. We belong to a place that's not built with hands. It's, it's an eternal place. So <clears throat> the point here is that the, the, the vision here, when the, the woman represents Zion itself, and that's why she's mourning. Now you notice there's a complete destruction of the sun. It, um, he dies. In the marriage chamber. It's not like, oh, he got he got captured and we're going to get him back. He's dead. Mm-hmm. That's why they're mourning. That temple was destroyed. That's right. And you got to know that before it was destroyed, in Ezekiel, Ezekiel saw the Spirit of God leave it. Mm. Remember that? It was, it's a sad passage. It's a very sad The Spirit one. of God oh, actually God. leaps and, and leaves the temple. And um, it's like Ichabod, right. you know? The, the spirit, glory. Yeah, the glory of God is left. Dear God. Yeah, <clears throat> the place where he had put his name on in the city that, you know, he, he had called his own. So when that was destroyed, it was destroyed. And the sun, that had died in its prime after Solomon had built it. Died in its prime, and that's why she was weeping. So now they're in Babylon. But what he's showing Ezra is not Herod's second temple. 
right? He's not showing Herod's second temple of sacrifice. He is showing him the ultimate Zion. Mm-hmm. So, so it's not it's not the second temple, and it's certainly not a third temple. No, that's going to be put on some pagan mosque Mm-mm. where um, Donald Trump's going to sit there as king. And, yeah, we as uh, Christians shouldn't be looking at this Israel here and this the new. Third, the third temple that they're talking about putting on there. We should be looking in the heavens yeah. because for the new Jerusalem, the new temple. Exactly. Because that's our home. Mm-hmm. Amen. Zion. So it's really a beautiful story, a really beautiful story. And so, you know, when he sees this, he's shaken. He, he doesn't know what he drinks. He thinks he's being deceived. And that's when Euro comes back and says, stand up like a man and I will tell you what's going on. He yells at him and listen to me and I'm going to tell you about these things, which you're afraid of. And he says, the good thing is, is the most high. God has revealed good secrets to you. So buck Isn't up and listen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, buck up and listen. You know, poor Ezra. It's a good thing it happened to him because, mm-hmm. you know, I would have had a heart attack. <laughs> you know, I was talking to some chick and now she turned into a city. Forget it, man. Forget mm-hmm. about it. And I was eating what was in those wildflowers. Uh, you know, know what I mean? Um, <laughs> and so he's, he's saying, you know, because God has seen that. Ezra has sorrowed continually for the people. And he mm-hmm. mourned greatly for Zion. That's see, that's a Zion. beautiful thing too. You yeah, know? to mourn for the people and, and mourn greatly over Zion. You know, I remember he was a priest, so his whole life was dedicated to the law mm-hmm. of God. He, obviously, he loved the law of God. And he loved God, and so he was just beside himself over this destruction. Sure, it's a uh, good thing. The other takeaway from this too is if you notice that. Ezra wasn't rebellious. He wasn't a sinner, and he didn't rebel against God. He he stayed true to his faith in God and his love for God. Yet the people that were rebellious, they all got taken down. All of Israel got taken down, and this guy with them. It's kind of like Jeremiah getting taken to Egypt sure. when he warned and warned, don't go, don't go. You know, he ends up dying there, um, according to legend or whatever. That's where he was either stoned or sawn in half or something. But, uh, you know, and before that, he was thrown in a pit for warning them that Babylon was coming. Mm-hmm. They, they, they wanted to kill him because he, he was giving uh, the prophecy they didn't want to hear. They wanted to hear happy, clappy, jingle, jangle. That's right. They want, here's what they wanted to hear. Revival's coming to church. We're going to have revival. The Holy Spirit's going to move through America. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have revival. And uh, churches, you know what? That is bull pucky. There's no revival coming, folks. Now, mm-hmm. you can hear it from my lips or you can hear it from God's lips, but there's no revival coming. I'll tell you what's coming, wrath and judgment. That's what's coming. That's right. So there are people who don't want to hear that message, and people didn't want to hear the message in Jeremiah's day either or the other prophets. So the takeaway here is that Ezra was a good guy, but yet he's in captivity with the rest of the idiots. Right. right, so you don't don't think just because you're 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 following real biblical Christianity, you got it together, that you're not going to go through this the, the tribulation that we're mm-hmm. going through right now. That's right. You, we're down here with all the rest of the idiots. Um, so it, it is a beautiful thing, though, where he shows Ezra the real Zion, the real eternal uh, thing, and then he gives him that meaning of that uh, vision that. You know, Solomon had built that city after 3,000 years, and that's the first time that offerings to God were really 
formally mm-hmm. offered the way it should have been, you know, like it, like it is in heaven. And then um, they were barren, you know, uh, Israel was barren before that, but then they bore the son, see. Mm-hmm. But then soon after, you know, it, it, the son was brought up with much care, right? The period of residence in Jerusalem. So I, I, I'm, I'm not sure, it can't roll off my tongue right now, the time period between the building of Solomon's temple and its destruction, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Josephus has all that down too when he documents all the destructions of the temple. But um, that was the period of care and bringing up the sun, you know, in residence. And then um, when, when the sun died in the wedding chamber, you know, the bringing up of Jerusalem, that misfortune was a destruction that Ezra has now experienced. So the son had died. Um, it's over. He's dead. And then, um, you know, so then he says, because of that, then you were shown this, this city. And so the, the angel ends up telling Ezra, go, don't be terrified anymore. Don't let your heart be terrified. Go and see the splendor of the vastness of the building. Go explore it. Everything that your eyes could take in. So this is kind of cool because he's still in the vision and he gets to actually walk into the future Zion, the heavenly Zion, and check it out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So he's going to do that. And then he says afterwards, after you get done checking it out and seeing the splendor of God, the eternal glory of God, we're going to fill your ears as much as, as the ears will take. Wow, mm. that's cool. And we're fortunate enough because he's going to write all this stuff. He's going to share it with us in the next coming weeks. Wow. So he says, now you're most uh, you know, blessed among men, so remain here. And um, the, God himself is going to show Ezra, he's going to show him in those dream visions what God's going to do to us, to those who dwell on the earth when? In the last days. When? In the last days. Hello, When? In the last days. Now, we are living in the last days. Yes, we are. I'm telling you, I am not joking. You can believe me or you can believe a revivalist um, that's lying to you. But we are living in the last days. Amen. We're living in the last days. So the Most High will reveal to Ezra, way back when, 400 and some odd years before Christ was on scene, what's going to happen to those people, those believers, those Yahweh followers that dwell on the earth in the last days, okay? Amen. I'm so, looking forward to that. Yeah, so from here on out, it's it gets, woo, you know? So here's where God has to give us wisdom to try to figure, you know, these vision things up and stuff like that. And you'll see a lot of book of Revelation in mm. here, a lot of stuff. So it's kind of cool. Uh, I think a lot of times we don't think of Zion, enough you know but you know it's like oh well, you know because it's a different culture a different thing sure but um it is a real future city a real city not made with hands amen awesome amen miss capel amen you have anything you want to say in retrospect nope just keep watching praying pray that um you'll be found worthy to escape the things on this earth that's coming and pray that you are found worthy to stand before the Son of Man. That's good. Um, when you receive your um, your uh, award for, for great acting mm. in this role, are you, you going to be one of those, I want to thank God and my mother? And my, are you going to do one of those? Or? <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to think about it. Uh, what are you going to wear? 
I wore a tuxedo. Are you? Oh, yeah. If I can find one that fit. I'm going to wear something chiffon-like. Chiffon-like would be nice. Pink a hat? or peach. Hat? No. More like jewels. Jewels in your hat? Uh, mm-hmm. Rosy jewels? Yeah, something like if that. If you were to touch the jewels with your fingers, you really <laughs> You better not. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. We're going to get out of here. I hope you enjoyed the dramatic uh, reenactment of Ezra 9, uh, part of 9 and, and all of 10. All 10. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll see what we got next week, and we'll go from there. Ciao, babies. Recently, spiritual attacks on innocent people have increased considerably. This is partly due to society's transformation into a satanic cult. Most people are clueless or hopeless in combating this spiritual mayhem. We wish to offer two good books to overcome these attacks. First, Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare, offers one of the most effective training systems in combating spiritual darkness in order to gain personal freedom. Second, Eyes to See Unseen Enemies teaches how to see the hidden dangers which are all around us, even in places we would least expect them. Both books can be purchased on Amazon.com as a paperback or ebook. It is our desire that you will take advantage of these opportunities to increase your effectiveness in spiritual warfare and learn how to fight back instead of being a victim. We'll see you on the battlefield.